This is Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Our last episode of the season is always a special one, and this time is no different because we're coming to you from a sold-out roundhouse in North London, recording in front of a live audience of QPR fans and in the presence of not one but two QPR fan favourites. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2018 edition of QPR Podcast Live. Good. And in a minute, you can practice your um, Sean Derry, my lord, and just like watching Clint Hill. Uh, because we have two very special guests, as much as we would like to think that everybody is here for me, Paul and Chris, you are probably here for Clint Hill and Sean Derry. Uh, two fan favourites, beloved by the fan base with good reason. Over 250 appearances for Rangers between them. And they've played in some special games during some special seasons with some special players and under some special managers. And Mark Hughes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will be asking them about memorable games like the home win over Chelsea, the last-minute winner at home to Liverpool, the final game of the season at Man City that year, the playoff final plus Warnock, Barton, Terraps, and anything else we can think of. Ladies and gentlemen, Clint Hill, Sean Derry. <laughs> So we'll get straight to it with, with a very straightforward question. Apparently you've both played out and disgraced yourselves at the Roundhouse in Camden before, we understand. Don't I think quite remember that one. <laughs> Apparently there was a Kasabian gig, something like that. I can't he doesn't remember, remember it. it. That's the thing. I, I remember everything, but he doesn't even remember turning up, so that, that's how bad is that? It's so a good state we're in. <laughs> Seriously, I can't remember being here. <laughs> Fantastic venue, though. Uh, well, um, Joe, yeah, Joe from the venue told us that you had been here before to a Kasabian gig, and you Where's and some Joe? of the other. Where's Joe? I've never seen him before. Was he here? <laughs> uh, Apparently, you didn't leave the bar. Well, that's, that's nothing new. That's nothing new in our company, I'm afraid. <laughs> can't so, deny that. Good to see each other again. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. brilliant yeah. <laughs> Well, we didn't. Got on re- we've got on really well. Yeah. So, all right, let, let me start then by asking you to tell us about one another. Oh. So, Clint, you can go first. Oh, wow. Tell us what we need to know about Sean, and then, Sean, what it described Clint to everyone here. <laughs> so, I met this fella when I was Careful at Crystal Palace, I, th- I believe, many, many years ago. He, he turned up, um, scruffy as hell, like usual, but... The thing that struck me was what a great guy he was, what a leader he was, um, and just something that just affected everybody around him. Um, and I think I've said it before in, in numerous interviews, you know, if, if you want somebody on that, on that battlefield with you, he's your, he's your boy. Um, and he's someone I respect in, in, in a very high capacity. Um, I've been on a few taxi rides with him back home in Crystal Palace, which I, I don't really... <laughs> I don't think I can maybe... <laughs> Tell you, but well, on, I've seen some character. This is some character. This fella, he is some character. But listen, for me, he's someone I look up to and and highly respect as an individual and as a person. And 
Um, it's always good to meet up with him because he's, he's one hell of a guy, especially when he's had a beer. You've been out already, haven't you? Summer in Camden? Yeah, we met earlier Doesn't on. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, it's, um, it's great to see Clint. It's brilliant. We've been in contact since um, the day we left QPR together and um, it's always hard, you know, when you kind of like leave the game as a player and you, you, know, you look back on your own career and you look back and you think about the characteristics of different people that you've played with. I think for me, from my angle to Clint would be, he's, he is still, because he's just finished playing at, at the weekend, but he was the biggest winner I've ever played with. To the end degree, he would even cut a run five yards short so he would still win that race. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> and I would get so annoyed with him, I'd go, Illy, you're cheating. He'd go, no, 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 I'm winning. <laughs> so in his mind, this is, this is the man we're talking about, in his mind, so long as he finishes first, by hook or by crook, he's won that race. And I always used to take me out after that kind of guy. You know, he's, he's a great character. He's a leader, huge leader, you know, captain. Um, fully supportive of, um, you know, the team as a, as a team player. And I think I've not even touched upon his um, ability as a player, but for me, I, I put him as my best centre-half that I ever played with. You know, and um, thankful to play with a number of good players. But for all his characteristics that he's got, he's the best. He's, he's, just, he's just the best. Good guy. Thank you. Apparently we need to hold the mics. Is that right, Harry? Yep. To sort of cut out some of the sound. Just get a bit of reverb. Um, your best memory uh, from playing together, what would you say that is? <laughs> oh, I've got one. Word. <laughs> oh, my word. Go on, then. I think we've got the same one here. Forest away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when, when McCleary. Oh, no. Oh, That's no. my Let's leave that one. Let's leave that one. Let's leave that one, mate. I'll, I'll, let, let Illy go. Go on, go on. You, you go. No, you go on. You have the first. Can you remember Gareth McCleary for Forest? He was yeah. so quick. Yes. The, the, yes. the, the, the right sided um, winger for. He's so quick, though, wasn't he? Quicker than us, mate. He was quicker than us. <laughs> and we played away. Uh, we were 1 0 down at half time, uh, mm? and, uh, and Gareth got this. It's ball. unusual at Forest. <laughs> <laughs> Got a draw though in the end, didn't we? I think. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I ventured out to the left side of midfield, and he was covering at left back that day. It was your sure, left back, yeah. yeah left Someone back. Knew. He was playing the left back, and we just started giggling because we knew that didn't matter what we'd done, we were never going to catch this Gareth McLeary. <laughs> and he got this ball, and he booted about seventy yards in front. And in the game, we looked at each other and started laughing because we knew that not one of us could get this ball. <laughs> and he whizzed himself down this line and put one across, and we went. We're going to have to find another tactic here. So the next time it come, I elbowed him and he kicked him. <laughs> and still got past us, I think. <laughs> oh, mate, seriously. Oh, just, just far too many, but... I mean, it's just... What, what, a, what a character. I mean, like, nobody... I can't even know if I'm allowed to say it, mate. It's like... Say what so you want. We're, 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 in, we're in a game. <clears throat> Jeez, I'm sorry, mate. Well, we're in a game, we're in the middle I'm of a game. I'm married with two kids, by the way. I know, no, that's fine, that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to me. So, so we're in a game, uh, I can't remember where it was. And sometimes, as a player, you might just need to go to the toilet, mate, mightn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not a number two, which is all right, you know what I mean? And this is the kind of character I'm playing with. He's amazing, I love him to bits. Um, 
and he's just standing there, and I'm looking at him, and you can just see this, this look on his face, and I'm going, are you all right, Desert? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's, it's like he's, you can just look at his legs, and you're like, ah, oh, mate, come on. <laughs> you're not waiting ten minutes, pal. You know what I mean? But I was the consummate pro, you know. I, I, <laughs> I drank all the water, fantastic. you know, oh, all the water, yeah. all, all the it's stuff very before clear. the game. You would, have, you would have passed a urine test. <laughs> <laughs> I just love him to bits. That, that's just proper old school mentality. And yeah, that, that's one of many things that will, will take to my grave with me. What a guy. Love him to bits. <laughs> Can you tell us about the first time you came to QPR? Neil Warnock obviously <laughs> brought you over, what your impressions were. Uh, and did you feel like turning straight back out again? You, you, talked, you talked on this the other day, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so I, I mentioned this the other day. We played Plymouth in one of the um, pre-season friendlies. And um, I, I forget what the score was. It was a real poor game. Obviously, um, Neil Warnock got Plymouth down because that was his local team. And, you know, it was, we used to go Plymouth away on tours and used to go for a week boozing and then come back and win the league. And um, <laughs> we played Plymouth at home and... The fans, the fans just battered us. weren't having us because we come from Palace and um, the pub outside Loftus Road. There's four or five started yeah, us, didn't outside, we? Outside, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So we had a fight, didn't we? Well, I wish we did. <laughs> no. We so we, so we, we finished we, that game, didn't we? We did. Yeah. We're walking past the, the pub and we think, right, okay, just complete our last pre-season game. We're thinking, right, want to kick on now and and do really well at QPR and. Some of the locals made us feel really, really welcome by saying, get the hell back to Crystal Palace very quickly, you old, old men. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a roundabout way. In a roundabout way, with a few Fs and whatever's here, there. But, yeah, that made us feel... Do you recognise any of them here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing was, obviously, I think the first game of the season was Middlesbrough. Yeah, Middlesbrough at home, and I think, you know, that game in particular was just a pivotal moment for, for us winning that league. Uh, and for us, you know, two guys who had come from a, you know, a, a London club, you know, a rival London club was um, was was no, massive. Was <laughs> yeah, was massive for me and Clint. Massive, massive. We needed that. We needed that victory. We needed that yeah. performance. But I think, even, I think even before that, I think you touched on it when when Neil signed us. He made sure he signed us first, believe it or not. But he made sure that we were last, last. <laughs> because he didn't want to kind of upset the momentum that he was trying to build. You know, so he, was trying, he was bringing Adele in and people like that and he wanted them to be the, the highlight <laughs> signings. So if he announced us, everyone might have not come. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> you, told a, you told a story in the paper the other day that um, Warnock brought you into his office and said he's going to rip you to pieces in front of the squad. Don't take offence, but he's got to make an example of you. What was that all about? That was just his um, style of management. You know, He knew how to handle personalities in the dressing room and he knew that certain people couldn't handle the truth and he knew that me and Clint could you know and I think Neil's way of managing the dressing room was to pick on the biggest characters so he knew that if he had a pop at me and Clint it would resonate with the lads who perhaps couldn't handle it so he never really shouted at Adele or you know players like that or Hogan Afram or people like that or Routledge because you know if you shout at that kind of people they just don't turn up they don't, you know, they just, they just jack it and, you know, want to want to go home. Yeah, I think in a way it was kind of, well, I don't think we're blowing up our own trumpets here, but we, we set examples every day because that's the way we were brought up as, as as kids through our families and that, and our standards were high. So for him to kind of nail people where it was seen that you're doing well and and, and people who probably weren't doing well thought, oh, Jesus, I'm gonna go with him here. 
So mm. we probably have to have a little go as well. But that's just a genius that he is. And he's, he sits alone now. I think he's won eight promotions now. And he sits there. On I tried own. the same tactic at not scouting. <laughs> but when my, you were manager. But yeah. my captain started crying. So it was... Uh... <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Wasn't the same with me and Clint, Paul. Clint, can I ask you a question? It was Possibly. a game against QPR. Um, Mark Burcham tells this really good story. Uh, Stoke... Uh, oh, Jerry Saget. Yes. Yeah. Now, Birchie, Never seen Birchie cry so much in my life. No, the, the thing is, Birchie's version of it is that he went man to man with nah. Jerry. Nah. Kevin Keller's version is he shot himself and ran. Nobody goes man to man with Jerry Saget. That's what me. I thought. So, so and Matthew Rose got dragged in the dressing room as well, didn't he? Yeah, there, there was. Oh, my word. Where to start? So, Birchie's done what he does, and big, big tags is, is fuming. Huge. He's fuming and he's huge. So, he's hide. Where, where you come up? to Stoke to, to the change rooms there's a little laundry cupboard on your left hand side so at the end of the game uh, whistle's gone people are walking up and Tags is in there and he's like he's steaming absolutely steaming he wants revenge and he sees Bircham and he sees a few of the other lads and he just goes bosh straight into him drags two he was or three himself, wasn't he? drags two or three of them into our dressing room which is like 10 yards away and the screams and everything was unreal because when Tags is, 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 is angry, he's like, a, oh, he's, he's massive and he is. And you had these three lads in the dress room and those QPR lads trying to get in there and they couldn't get in and Bertie and all them were... So we politely say, yeah, weren't amused. Because <laughs> no, what we heard was that they were trying to send Danny Shitu in. He was, he wasn't Thank God happy. for that. Thank God he didn't get in. <laughs> now see, Bertie's version is that he went tour to tour with Tigers. And then it all... No, 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 no. No! no. no. Another Bertram Where was line. he? Where was he? No, no chance. He was on the floor screaming, saying, help, help! <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Um, you, I wanted to ask you about memorable games. You both played... There's been a few in your time at the club. A few you played in together. A few, um, kind of, one of you played in... Um, there was Man City, the away one. I know we lost it, but I guess it was an iconic moment in English football. There was, of course, the playoff final, um, Chelsea win 1-0 at home, the Liverpool win. What, what were your most memorable games for you individually in the QPR shirt? Like you've just said, you've just mentioned some massive monumental games for us. Um, I think the Chelsea games are always special, um, especially the ones that you win. Um, you know, because obviously, you know, the, the, the manner of the, the, you know, the kind of, you know, the way that people feel about each other's clubs, it just makes it such a special occasion. So the one nil away, sorry, the one nil home and the away win were, were, were major, but the one stand out for me is obviously the, the greatest goal I ever scored. <laughs> the only goal I ever scored for QPR was, was Liverpool, because it, I think at that point it gave us belief. It gave us belief to go into that final running for that season to stay up. So um, we were dead and buried at half-time. We really were. And I think, you know, out of all the, um, you know, all the games that we played from then towards the end of the season, that was a pivotal moment for us. So to score against Liverpool was, um, was great. Every time it comes on Sky Sports, I still tape it. <laughs> Even though it's taped about four or five times. Tell me, son, listen... That was me, and they don't believe me still. But no, listen, it just it great great night. I was gutted actually because it was a Tuesday night, and it wasn't a Saturday, because I think if it would have been a Saturday, it would have been a major game or match of the day, <laughs> and um, I think it was just kind of brushed over into into history. But 
it's, an, it's history that we were both very proud of. But it was a classic. It, it being on a Tuesday or Wednesday night under the lights at Loftus Road, that makes it a Q, classic QPR game. The good though. thing about the game was obviously Mackie scored the, the, the third goal. And Mackie had come on a sub, I think, hadn't he? Mm. And he, 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 Mackie's Mackie, listen, that's what he is, you know. He's, always has a pop at people. And he always had a pop at Mark Hughes, didn't he? And the celebration Celebration's was brilliant. unbelievable. Oh, it was as if we'd got like Lionel Messi as the <laughs> as the substitution, and he forgot he was actually Jamie Mackey and not Lionel Messi. <laughs> he was pointing at everyone. When he was going, "You over there? Listen, look at me!" Yeah. <laughs> Clint, your your most memorable game? Um, I, I, God, I mean, it's hard to uh, go from them ones, but um, I think. Not even going back to the first game, I think that, the debut, you know, which was a massive game. We had a large influx of players. Uh, there was a bit of expectation there. And after what went on the, the, the few days before, that was a big game just to try and prove a, people, uh, prove a few people wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea at home where was probably a big one for me. I, was, I think I got sent out on loan to Nottingham Forest that time. So obviously I thought my time was over. Um, and then to get the phone call, I think on a Tuesday or a Wednesday before that game to say, listen, come back and then to actually play in that game uh, and get the win I mean I, I, the atmosphere was unbelievable when you think it's like 18,000 people felt like 50 odd thousand it was frightening um, so I think that that definitely resonates with me in a big way Man City for, for obviously different reasons we lost the game but we, we won the, the relegation battle um, God the, the photos and the scenes when that third goal went in me and him trying to chase Aguero <laughs> <laughs> Did you, know, did you know what was no, going on? No, we would. So you have thought you seen we were down. Our reaction. We thought we were down. It, I was beating the floor. I, was, I thought we were down. It was a split pitch because the right side of the yeah, pitch knew, and the, and the media, the middle and the left side didn't. Yeah. So we were down. We were down. Know, we in our heads, we were absolutely down. gutted. We were down, and we thought that's it. And then literally, within twenty seconds, it was Mackie. Mackie yeah. come over to us, and he said, "Don't worry, you know, we we safe." So that kind of fist bumps from. <laughs> no, I mean, it's mad, absolute madness. So, and for everything that, I think it's one of the iconic games in, in the in Premier League history now. So, to not rank that as number one, I think would be a bit of a shame. Can we go back to the Chelsea game for for selfish reasons? What really went on in the dressing rooms that day? Because I've always been intrigued after the Terry Anton it's thing. Weird, yeah. It's weird, wasn't it? It was, it was very weird. I mean, it, as soon as the game finished, we were, we were buzzing, we were elated, weren't we? And all oh, we were just celebrating, and then uh, in the space of like. Well, a number of minutes. It just went. Can I? Yeah. Tits up. Were you aware of it? Were you, <laughs> I mean, it were you aware of it on the pitch, like? Did you know what was going no. on? Honestly, on a really? serious Nothing note, on the pitch. I, I had Absolutely no idea nothing. what had gone on. No, no really? idea. And Nothing. I was just telling some of the guys earlier on who we met in the um, <coughs> pub. In the cafe. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we were just telling them about what an impact it had on both players. You know, John Terry and Anton. You know, obviously Terry well, lost his. Anton. Well, Terry lost his captaincy at England and, you know, Anton was massively affected. Massively affected by his, um, you know, his performances for, for QPR. It was such a shame because it was such a big game. Yeah. Brilliant game. Brilliant game. It took the shine off it, It did it? take the shine off it. It was, you know, a real shame. Hate it. I hated it. I loved the result. Hated the um, aftermath. Because the, the whole thing was, we hadn't played them for how many years? Was it 18 years, something like that there? And they came in, they got dog's abuse. And it, you couldn't have wrote the script better, could you? I mean, oh, the, the atmosphere was, was, was brilliant. It was, I mean, it was volatile. I was I drunk it. for two weeks. I loved it. It was so, I mean, the intensity and, and when people were getting throw-ins, they, they were getting stick. And it was, it just, it, it got the best out of us and it, it got the worst out of them. Could you feel it on the pitch, like the atmosphere? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, listen, Q, 
QPR, I mean, Loftus Road, when, when it's absolutely heaving like that, it's one of the best stadiums because it's so tight to the pitch and it, it's steep and you can hear everything and it, it makes a massive effect. That was one of the things that Neil Warnock said to me. He said, you'll play more of your games at Loftus Road because it's a smaller pitch. <laughs> he said, you won't play away from home, Sean, because th- 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 these pitches are too big for you. And, um, you know, good job that, we had Ali falling next yeah, to us. Good, jo- good job, good players around me, yeah. Just going back to that Man City game, what sort of reception did you guys give to Joey Barton when you got back to the dressing room? Uh, he, he, was, he wasn't even in the dressing room. He wasn't. He, he, he was devastated. Um, we were only talking about this before. Um, he went, I believe, he went from there straight onto the coach. Uh, and that's the, the first time we saw him. He was on the coach and he was, he was gutted, absolutely gutted, um, to the point where uh, a, a few of the French players from Man City came on to, to speak to a few of our French players and he, he didn't take that very, very lightly, to be honest with you. There's a few threatening words. Really? Like, if you don't get off my bus now, I'm going to fill your head in. And, um, and they, they so good to see, very, good to see, very quickly. Good to see calm down then. Nah, after. but yeah. two phase, right? You know what I mean? Like, as, as that was with a, with a can of Fosters in his hand as well. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's fair to say, I mean, I know you guys, I think, get on with, you certainly get on with him, um, but he sort of polarises opinion both sort of amongst other fellow professionals and, and fans. Well, talk us through, what sort of guy is he to play with? He's honest. He's honest. And listen, a lot, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people don't like honesty, and especially in the industry that I've been in for the last 20 years. Um, it can raise a few, few eyebrows, but I love it, because you know where you stand, and you know where you stand with him as an, uh, as an individual. If you give him everything you've got next year, then he'll respect you, and I respect him for the way he, he treated me uh, and the way he spoke out, because listen, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have won that playoff final or gone up without the, the input that he had by getting um, Steve Black in. Mm. And, and I'll, I'll stand by that to the, to the day I This die. is the fitness coach. Well, no, he's, he's more of a psychologist, psychologist. Uh, and he builds culture and he, and he gets lads together. And the way we were going that year, we, we, we started unbelievable. We, we, we were on fire, we were destined to win the league. Uh, but then it started crumbling and without Joey's input and getting the right person involved then I doubt we would have had that promotion So seeing as we're on Joey Barton there are, there's a few whispers around that you are well first of all you're, 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 you were playing are you done playing or are you playing know. next season? I really don't know it's, it's the hardest thing oh my god um, I played 42 games this season and Player of the year for Carl kind of. yeah, yeah. 54 no. years old <laughs> Play like it. Not only that, but player of the year for Glasgow Rangers at 37 and player of the year for Carlisle at 38. It's not bad. You're doing me well then, mate. Give me years right? advance there. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, it's been, it's, been, it's been an unbelievable journey and I'm, I'm 39 now, I'm pushing 40 in October. Um, to do what I've achieved in the game has, has been way amongst anything I could achieve, uh, thought of achieving. I've got a big decision to make this summer. Um, and... I need a few weeks to decide because it's hard to do, hard to give up a thing that you love doing. It so really there's is. a few whispers that you Joey Barton's becoming manager at He's Fleetwood. Gone to Fleetwood, yeah. And there's a few rumours pieces that it's you might lot, be yeah. joining him on his staff. Any truth in that? Um, well, there's nothing to confirm yet. I mean, we've we've spoken, and I think he's got to he's got to see what. Uh, he's allowed in in terms of staff and everything as well. So we've had we've had uh, discussions. I've had discussions with with another former manager as well. So. Um, like I said, I've got the Premiership. <laughs> nah, <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, Neil, come on, Neil. No, um... Mark Hughes. It's Mark Hughes. 
Well, he's not confirmed premiership yet, is he? Yeah, true. What is the score? What is the score? Oh, it's only kicked off. Sorry. He's never oh. had a team rally good it, don't you know? Well, maybe two, eh? That's some, that's some achievement, by We the way. can hope. That's some achievement. So, listen, I've got a big decision to make, and uh, I'm sure something will be announced in the next few weeks. Now, on Joey, Sean, a few years ago, I think it was about when we just started doing the podcast, you came on and came in the studio and talked to us. And I remember you told us your peg in the dressing room was in between Joey Barton and the Delta Raps. <laughs> How was that? Tell us about that. Incredible peg. I mean, incredible. Some of the stories, I mean, we can't even go there. We really, really can't go there. How did they get on? They didn't really. They did, they, 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 no, no, yeah, yeah. Joey absolutely despised Adele. Despised him with a Why? passion. Why did he despise because him? Because of what Clinch just said there, you know. He's, he, he is such a professional. You know, whether you like him or you loathe him, he gets the best out of people and he hates ability that's not maximised. You know, and that's the one thing that Joey's done, you know, from his own admission. He has maximised his own career and he's tried to maximise people around him. Now, when he sees talent like Adele, similar to me and Clint, what we had our opinion of Adele, you know, he should have played for... Some might laugh, some might not, but he should have played for a major, major team. I know we went to AC Milan on loan, but, you know, to go and... You know, go and play for a Barcelona or a Real Madrid, for what we saw that year that we played with him, he wouldn't have, um, he wouldn't have been out of um, place there. So for me, you know, Adele and, uh, and Tarat were polar opposites, complete polar opposites. Joey maximised. Adele was brilliant. I wouldn't have played in the Premier League without him, but he wouldn't have played in the Premier League without me and Clint either and people like us. So it works both ways. And I just think that, you know, when you're looking at an Adele Tarat and the way that... Well, listen, what's the journey been? Six, seven years since we was in the Premier League for the first time? Where is he? I want to know where he is. I know he's obviously Genoa. playing for Genoa, but he shouldn't be at Genoa. He shouldn't yeah. be there, Paul. No, he, should, I agree. He, he should be. He should be in one of the major, major leagues at one of the big clubs. He's the most talented player I've seen down here since Wiggly by a country male. And he, he, he'd so much ability, but I can understand why you would find it frustrating because I loved him. Listen, I loved him. You know, he was a great, a, a nice kid. A, a nice enough Bad guy. advisors. Hey, listen, he loved football, by the way. I loved football. He, he, he could come in. What was in. he like? Listen, he, he like? he'll come in one night and, sorry, one day and he'd talk about all these players, all these players that he's watched the night before, then he? and you're going, who the hell is he on about? Mm. And then six months later, they turn up in the Premier League and, and tear it up. So he, he, was, he was religious. He could watch any game in any country. He's shown that he loved football. Aye. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's shown when he, when he did play it as well. Um, but like he said, it's... it's and I've said it before, it's such a waste of talent. You know what I mean? He, he should have been... Should have been. The, the weirdest how? Explain how he wasted his talent. His, his lifestyle. Fat. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Fat. Sorry, what's that, Sean? Lifestyle. Fat. Listen, he used to come in... Didn't quite hear that. He <laughs> 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 was, you know, with the greatest respect. You know, Wait, you what look, you, you look at a Premier League footballer now and they've got... Everything, absolutely everything. But he never took, you know, he perhaps took 10% of what was an offer of him. Would you say? Oh, listen, yeah, of course. But his lifestyle was, was all over the place. Terrible. All terrible. Listen, the best thing Neil Warnock did was get all the lads in and say, listen, put up with him. 
because he's going to get you to the Premier League. Yeah. And he said that the first, pretty much the first day that we arrived. Yeah. Put up with him. Please put up. If you've got any problems, come and see me. The, 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 the truth of him signing Adele Tarapt was he could have signed him four weeks earlier from Tottenham. Neil could have signed him early on in the pre-season, but he decided not to because he knew that nobody else was going to go and sign Adele. And he knew that the money that was offering, I think it was about a million pounds, what we, what we paid for him. But what he didn't want to do, he didn't want to bring Adele in too early because he knew that he had to build the team spirit up between the lads. And he knew that Adele wasn't that kind of character that would you know, boost that team spirit. But he knew that once the team spirit was set in stone, and it was by the time he played the Middlesbrough game, to go and bring the final kind of, you know, the player into the, the master plan, was what Neil called it at the time, was absolute genius. Yeah. genius. You know, the, the funny thing is, I remember years ago, I was doing a job near the edge of the road, and I was driving a van past, and he was working with me as a QPR fan, and he goes, Del Tratt's in that, that, that bar, bar across the road. And I said, no, he's not. He goes, so I reversed back, scared the shite out of the bus driver behind me, but then went, went back. And true enough, he was sitting at the front at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and that's, a sunny night. That's what I'm talking about in terms of lifestyle. He, he used to finish training, um, get in his tracksuit, he'd go home. I think he'd sleep till eight, nine, ten at night, and then he'd be out all night in his tracksuit. <laughs> and then he'd come in the following morning in his tracksuit. And train. What ability, though? The thing, but that it, pass that he did to Routledge, I mean, it's probably one of the most beautiful things. Oh, There's art on a football unbelievable, pitch. Unbelievable talent. You can't dismiss it. It was fantastic for us that year. Um, but he didn't waste his talent that season, did he? I think... No, obviously not, because he was fantastic. But when we got to that next level, we needed him to be at that level that he was. And that, that success or whatever kind of changed things. And the little step-overs or the little things that he thought he could get away with and get past someone couldn't happen because, listen, Premier League players prepare and train and play properly. So if you don't do that, you get caught up very quickly. But was that not because he was at that higher level and he couldn't cut it at a higher level? You don't think it was that? You think it was more that... So your lifestyle catches up with you. Yeah. Simple as that. It's any job, any lifestyle. If you're out doing whatever at three, four in the morning with three hours kip, you're going to get affected. You will do. But he had that cameo with AC Milan. I think he got seven goals yeah. in you know, 11 he done well, games. He done well that in that it, spell. I it, think that car wrecked his That's head the as last well. time that he, he actually yeah. performed. He loved it there. Yeah. When, when you're I speaking think, to me, he loved it there. Playing for a big club like AC Milan, you know, it, you know, it was great for Adele, but can you sustain that for months, years, you know, careers? You can't, he couldn't. We knew that. We knew that it was going to be a, an impact and what an impact he was. What a f- best player I've played with, without a doubt. You know, I don't want it to be sound like you know sour grapes here. It's not not that all. I wouldn't have played in the Premier League without Adele Tarapt. That's guaranteed. But I want I, I wanted to see Adele Tarapt in the Premier League for a number of years. You know, and for his own good, though. For, yeah, for him. You know, because he deserved to be there you, with the time. Yeah, yeah, you you want to see players. You want to see the best players there. And he was one of the best players. And do you know he's the only Premiership player ever to get a bus from Fulham. <laughs> Unbelievable well, I, well, I got By the way, why did Fulham have this frigging hoodoo over us? It used to really piss me off. So, so what was the truth of that day? The, the rumour is he got, he got the bus from the ground after... I was there. I got time. dragged at the same time as Adele, yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes we both got brought you off. You stayed at the ground, I though, stayed did at, you? I didn't have a bus pass. So <laughs> Adele went on did the bus. Did he really go? Yeah, he went, yeah. He, he'd had enough. There was pictures of him in the bus stop. He's queuing up at the bus stop and people took photographs of him. Like, yeah, wow. it, listen, you know, it goes down in folklore, doesn't it? It's brilliant. It's a great story. It's a great brilliant story. story. What's, what's your favourite Briatore story? 
Well, he never spoke to me, Flavio. So uh, he, he didn't want me. <laughs> Really? Yeah. No, I don't. What no, was, was that tour? Was it at, like, we, we yeah, had Atlanta? That... We ever played? Went to Italy? Remember Italy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was somehow, somehow we won the tournament. I think we've touched the ball ten times <laughs> and scored scored two goals. I don't know how we've done it. We played Braga. We played Atlanta. Unbelievable That's European teams. football, that is, Clint. Oh, yeah, they absolutely battered us, mate. Uh, but somehow we've won this trophy, and um, yeah, I don't think he's ever acknowledged me or ever seen me or. Or whatever, to be well, honest. I wasn't he, his kind of player, I don't think. He walked past me. He went to Jay Buffroyd, didn't he? <laughs> he went to Jay Buffroyd and said hello to Jay, because I think he recognised Jay from whatever. I think he, I think he fancied so he Jay's missus, didn't he? didn't know who you two were then, do you reckon? I, I never spoke to I Flavio. Didn't, I'd never, Not, I'd never once. To Not once. Not once. What about Not Bernie, once. little fella? Nah. Who's he? Who's he? Did he run the club? I don't even... I had not even met any of them, I swear. I'd Honestly. Not a mention. We were the last pick of the playground. And he didn't want, you know, he, they didn't want to speak to us. <laughs> you spoke about, I mean, those pre-season tours, they were quite lively under Warnock, weren't they? I think you, didn't you have a JLS uh, initiation song oh, at one stage? Oh, everybody in love. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh, it I know there's a cat in here somewhere, but that's... Yeah, too. no, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a sing-song, wasn't it? So we, we've gone to Italy and... Uh, Rimini, we went water. to Rimini. Yeah, oh. Rimini, what a place what, it was. What a it was great place. The worst place you can take... A group, of lads. A, a group of lads who want a pre-season for football, to be honest. But Neil Warnock was different class, wasn't he? The first meeting we've had, he, fully he, kitted out in he's, his, his he's, linen shorts, his linen top. Yeah, he's, he he's had his wife behind him. He had his kids in the swimming pool, didn't he? Mode. He's dragged us there. We got lovely seats near the pool, and he's going, lads. What a place! What a place this is. The food is unbelievable. Five star, different class. Help yourselves. Right. So if you do a left out of the hotel, <laughs> do a right, do a left. Oof, it's the best place you've ever been to. And just make sure you're home and you're in a good state to train and have a good time. I think we trained for it. 20 minutes that yeah. week. <laughs> and was he wasn't wrong. Best do a left, do a right, and it was the best place you've ever been to in your life. And then you went and won the league. And we won the league. It was fantastic. There's a method to his madness and the way he does things and that was just one of the icings on the cake how we did it we, we did it we did a podcast the other week um, with Tony Fernandez, and he sort of more or less said that um, Neil didn't want the job second time um, I can see Clint looking blank yeah do you, do you think he would have took it or do you think the conversation never happened I think he wanted it I think he wanted it it might upset a few people but there's no doubt in my mind if he was offered that job he would have took it because he, 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 he got the lads back on track. He got some good results. And if he was offered that job, he would have took it for me. I think another key component of this was when he did get sacked, the amount of messages and emails that he got were, you know, blown him away. And I think he had such an affinity with you guys that he probably thought that he was going to give him, you know, he wanted it. He desperately wanted it. I think maybe, listen... <laughs> Maybe politics within the within the club and the structure of the club at that time. Maybe certain people, or he thought he, they couldn't work together. I don't know. But listen, if he he wanted the job, I'm pretty I'm pretty hundred percent sure of that. Definitely, because he got the bug back. He fell in love with the game, and, and obviously results determine that. And he loved the lads, and he loved the club. More importantly, so Neil Warnock was then sacked in early 2012 for Mark. Oh. Come on, that's not a boo. Um, 
Rather what rubbish. Did you guys, how did you guys find him? Clint. Well, listen, first of all, I thought, well, what a signing. Yeah. I thought, like, the perception of him was, was everything we needed. I thought, a tough player, played against him as well. Um, so I knew what he was like as a character, as a player. And I thought, if he brought that into management, and then we, we've got a chance here. And sadly, it, it, was, it was nothing that I thought he would be. And, then, and that, that kind of hurt us, really. I thought he'd be a very strong character. I thought he'd be a very strong disciplinarian. I thought he'd be a good man-manager, um, ticking all the boxes that we thought we'd need, but within a matter of, of, of weeks and months, it, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, and it was the total opposite, and I was very disappointed in the way he, he, he managed the club and, and the people he brought into the club. Um, well, that's what they've said but, about him at Southampton today. But more for me... That's Stoke. But, 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 no, listen, but... but, but you know, for more, more for me was the lack of responsibility. You know what I mean? Just to totally dismiss it as whatever. That hurt me more than anything. You've got to take responsibility if you mess up somewhere. You've got to. So if you don't, then it gets caught up in it. And it has done. You know what I mean? If, if he takes another team down, and I'm sorry for Southampton, like, but he deserves it because of the way he reacted and the way he, he dealt with lads. Sean? Listen, we went away to Germany and um, I remember one morning um, he got all the guys together and can you remember that when he, he, got, he, he got the clipboard in the corner and he tried to... Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I still to this day... He split us up in groups, he, he? he? split us up in groups, groups of six, I think. Five, six. And I, I didn't get what he was coming from. I, didn't, I didn't, never got the angle what he was coming from. You know, he, I, I didn't feel like I could relate to him. Didn't feel like, you know, for me, he was one of, I wouldn't say a hero, but it was somebody you think, oh, what a player. You know, played for all these magnificent clubs, played under Alex Ferguson. We're going to really learn a lot of this guy. He just, he was so aloof. And he hid behind the group of staff that he had. You know, there was Mark Bowen, Eddie Nesvicki. Um, Eddie was a great guy. Eddie was a great guy, top, top guy. But I think he was the buffer between the lads and the management. And that was difficult because sometimes, you know, when you've got a problem as a player, you need to go to the gaffer. You know, you need to go there. You need to be able to knock on the door. You need to be able to, you know, that, that, that door needs to be open, whether you agree or whether you don't. And many times I've gone into management and you've come out and you thought, I don't really agree with that, but at least it's given me the time of day. And I remember one story. I was playing, actually, on a Thursday. We'd done the team and we were playing away at Aston Villa. And I got dropped on the Friday morning but I was playing on the Thursday so I got dropped on the Friday we went to Villa on the Friday night and I went and knocked on his door and Mark Bowen o- opened it I'm like what's going on here you know it's like I need to speak to the gaffer can I speak and he said no no you need to speak to me I'm the one that sends the messages to the gaffer and I just said no nah, not for me that's it's not how it should be should always be approachable as a manager Whether, it's the hardest job in the world you know, it is, it's difficult, it's very difficult. But if you can give the lads honesty, you know that they're not always going to accept it, but don't give them lies, you know, and that's what we got a lot of the time. Uh, and what we, about sorry. some of the, sorry, Paul. No, I was going to say, we got Mark, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, chaps, my fault. We had Mark Bourne on the podcast once, and do you remember this? Do you remember? I think he had a few of these, and we were saying Paul to... Paul points to drinks. 
for the Hotel Kessa podcast. Um, they can see. And they paid. And I just said. Um, so you, you kind of like, we're talking to him and talking to him. And he was like, really, didn't mention Mark Hughes once, but did mention we didn't do any defensive training and things like that because Mark was so impressed with our forward line that he didn't feel we needed to defend it or something. I thought it was a weird thing to say at the time. Yeah, you're not wrong, yeah. It was a bit No, yeah. It? No, listen, I mean, for me, Eddie Nzicki was, he, he drove everything, didn't he? He was the one who was on the training ground, he was very prepared, sessions were great. But ultimately, you're led by your leader, and your leader's your manager. So if he's not, if he's not giving you the right instructions from there down, what, what are you as a team? You know what I mean? So for him to come out and say you're not doing defensive work, and that, that's fire alarms for me. I mean, you've got to work on both things, haven't you? You know what I mean? You can't just be good going forward. We, you're going to we knew, goals going that way. We knew as a group of guys that we were never going to be. Can remember, remember when Mark Hughes said to us about we should be in the top seven? We started laughing. <laughs> that's like no disrespect to it, like boy. Man United, Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea. <laughs> it's never going to happen, Mark, seriously. <laughs> so we knew as a group of players that we needed to be defensively. A yeah, sound, yeah. To, 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 to going through the season. And we never worked on it, no, did we? We, we never didn't, worked we didn't, on it. We didn't, and, well, listen. And, like, to, to be fair, you go towards the end of the season where, like, them, them last results at home, especially, were, like, were unbelievable, weren't they? And, like, to, to a certain degree, the lads just went, see you, mate. This, this is us. You're not doing anything for us here. So it's up to us now how we, how we do things. And if we're going to go in a game, we're going to have to get together and do it our way because we haven't got any help, unfortunately. If this club wants to survive, and we love it the way we do, you're going to have to take it on our, on our own chest. And how and did you react to... Sorry, how did some of the big-time Charlies that were coming in, some of the players... Yeah, welcome, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of them, to be fair, under Neil Warlock's watch as well, you know, um, because he had, like, you know, 24 hours or whatever it was in the transfer window and just sort of cherry-picked yeah. all these players. And then, you, uh, under Mark Hughes, I think we had a goalkeeper on 50 grand... Who had three bad games, so he sold another one, the Brazilian national goalkeeper, on 100 grand. Who was the first person who scored past the Brazilian? Tell him, Clint. Training. Left foot. Left foot? Left foot. How many beers have you had here, mate? Two. And I curled it right in the top right hand corner. And the warning signs were there, then, weren't they? And I slid on my knees up to Mark Hughes and went, like, remember Tardelli in the 82 World Cup? I half felt for him, you know, because I thought, this this fella's come in and he's played with Matarazzi, (laughs) you know what I mean, Zanetti, absolute gods of football. And Derry Hill. (laughs) (laughs) He's used to playing football, passes out from the back, and he's got Hill, Derry, and whoever. And they don't want that there. So it's, I felt like he's got to kick it for 60 yards. But He used to come out, didn't he, in the five sides? He was the best player we had. Football out. He should have, <laughs> should have left his gloves, shouldn't he? He should have hung his gloves up and become a player. It was unbelievable. Did you guys not think it was a bit mad that we brought him in when Rob Green was there as, goal, as goalkeeper? Because everybody else thought it at yeah. the time. It didn't make sense when we had an England international or, or soon, like pretty soon, pretty recent England international, and then we brought in another we just World, the World Cup, didn't they? Both of them played the World Cup. Yeah, it hurt Rob. It hurt Rob massively, and it affects him really. Did I've, I've, I've grown very close to him, and he's he's a very honest guy, but that hurt him because he didn't even. I don't even think he knew anything about it. You just see, we were in the gym, I think, and he's seen this Julio Cesar fellow walking in signing for QPR. 
Um, and then that hurt him. It really did. Um, and it affected him for a long time. So, I mean, I mean what other club spends that kind of... I mean, unless you're a top four team, you have Julio Cesar and Rob Green as your one and twos. It's, it's absolute madness. And then we signed Pasingua as well, didn't we? Yeah. He's a good guy, wasn't he? Tell us about him. He, yeah. Tell us about Jose Pasingua. That's not... I thought you used the word gobshade. Listen, I'm, I'm, through that whole era, I was, I, was, I was disappointed with the players. You know what I mean? Listen, as, as an owner, and to be fair, as a fan and, and, and myself to a certain degree, I've seen these players coming and going, what? You know what? He's won this, he's won that. He can, he can affect us and he can make us better. Um, but soon realised that pff, they weren't interested. Um, and, and that hurt me massively but I thought they had, they had more to give us as, as a team, as individuals, as a group but they didn't contribute anything they were quite happy just to sit there and, and just go through the motions and, and that hurt me big time Yeah, well, it's, It seems like history is repeating itself because I saw Charlie Adam and some other Stoke players today saying that we've recruited badly and obviously Mark Hughes was the manager who recruited most of those players was it? Was he bringing the wrong? I mean, he obviously was bringing the wrong players in. But how soon did that become obvious? It's just the characters, the characters of the player. You know, they have to suit the club. You know, everybody who play, you know, who's come and supported QPR for a, a long time. It's. Um, I mean, I, I get it. I, I get it. What the DNA is. You know, you got, you got to try. <laughs> you go out on that pitch. You got to try for ninety-five minutes and. It, that's the least that you expect as a football fan, you know, and more so at QPR, you know, where we are and where we were in the Premier League, fighting for our lives. You know, down there you're fighting for your lives. You don't get you don't get three points just by turning up for two minutes of the game. You know, you know, you, you you've got to run around and you've got to put your you know you've got to wear your heart on the sleeve. And these guys just didn't have it. They just didn't have it. Cece had 18 cars. He had 18 cars. Unbelievable. Sorry, say that again. <laughs> it's your accent. Cissé <laughs> had 18 cars. He had 18 cars. He had a lock-up around the corner at Heathrow. <laughs> yeah, fair. The, the car park, the How car many cars did he have, lad? It was, it was one for every day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I think. They were lovely cars, by the way. But, no, that, that, that's a kind of... I mean, that, that first year, we, we got away with it. We got away with it. We did. Listen, John Wall was pretty much saved us with the goals that he scored yeah. um, and the lads that were in that team at that, at that point a, a large group of us were from that championship era where we grew to love the club and we had success and it meant things to us but that, that summer <clears throat> there was a large influx of lads who didn't know anything about QPR just, just seen the pound signs that's all it was you know, and there was alarm signs ringing straight from the start I mean one Listen, one thing, Stefan and Beer, when he went down and during a game, like he, he broke his neck or he, he was half dead. And then five minutes later, he's tweeting in the back of an ambulance, I'll be okay, QPR fans, I'm there on Saturday. <laughs> well, where were you freaking 45 minutes ago, mate? You know what I mean? When we needed you? You know, just little things like that. That just. I, I used I to love know. Stefan and Beer when he used to go up to, the, um, up to the fans and give his shirt away. Yeah. It was like he used to go up 30 flights to give his shirt away. And I'm like, well, have you been that respect to go and give someone a shirt? We'd be having our post-match talk, and no Stefan and Beer in the dressing room. He'd be stood up in the, um, you know, in the top, top of the top of the crowd, high fiving everyone, buddy. Just got beat. <laughs> go home in his Lamborghini. It's unbelievable. I think we've all got on a beer shirt in here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd say about some happier times I know you mentioned some of your best games one that hasn't come up is the playoff final 
uh, which uh, really in recent times is probably the best day ever for a, for a QPR fan. Yeah, um, I mean, going on the 90 minutes was like... I'm going to leave Clint here because I wasn't involved in it. It was hard. Yeah. 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 I was the toilet, involved in my own playoff. Go to the fight. toilet. Yeah. Get the pints in. We were nearly getting relegated for not scouting. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, like I said before, um, I mean, that, that year was, we started... He was a joking. We were favourites, we? we were favourites to go up and we'd done unbelievable and then on first we found ourselves in the playoffs and then Steve Black came in um, and he just created a, a different culture, a different environment to work in. Um, and he made this rule out where just think about the next five minutes in every game just think about the next five minutes and I'm not going to lie to you it worked for us it did it worked for us uh, we, did, we didn't do too well in the final I think I think Derby done unbelievable but for, for, for Junior Hoylet to go down the wing done this first sackle I've ever seen him do <laughs> against a big meaty centre half as well and then for the god Richard Keogh to, to square it to Bobby Zamora <laughs> And then he tucked it in happy days, you know. So we don't care how the game went. It was all about the result. And thankfully it worked out for us. So what, what were you thinking? Like, obviously we started the game and we were under the cosh a wee bit. It was at the Elmo, wasn't it? And then Gary O'Neill did what Gary O'Neill did, which to be fair did save us a wee bit. And then we won. Did you, what was going through your mind? Because during the Wigan game, you were like, kind of like, I need to come off. I need to, you know, we need to do things. Yeah, I mean, I was playing left back then, you know, and God, yeah, I'm not the best left back, like, but... Um, I don't try to do a job for the team and, and it's hard when you're on the side sidelines because maybe you don't see things developing in a game uh, and that's where you need your experienced players to maybe direct the manager to, to a certain degree uh, and I've seen a few things developing uh, in games that I thought we could exploit and, and lucky enough it, it turned out to be right it could have easily gone the other way but lucky enough it turned out the other way um, but well, I mean the scenes after it mate were unbelievable weren't they uh, I don't remember. I was oh, a bit busy. Oh, mate, I don't. I, it was all. It was absolute haze of just euphoria and blue and white, and it was like, especially for me, like because got nearly ten years before that, I, I didn't get the chance to do that because I was sent off for being a bad boy. Um, so no, to just act, so, so to actually do that at that time, just to put those demons to bed and, and lift a trophy at Wembley was as captain. Exactly. I mean, that, the dreams are made of that. Just but, but by the way, can I just ask a quick question to everyone in the audience? Who thinks Clint should carry on playing for another no. season? No. That's only 20%. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer. There, 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 was a per, there was a perception that you almost substituted yourself that day. We for did. The, for, for the yeah. good of the team. That you kind of went... Well, after Gary O'Neill had been sent off and, and sort of seeing the shape of the game, you almost went over to the bench and said, maybe so I'm the player under, to go off. We're under the cost for, for large, large parts of that game, but I, I never thought we were in trouble because of the characters we had and the shape we had off the ball. Um, so I always thought if, if we could get ourselves back into the game, there's a threat because of the lads we had on the pitch. I mean, Charlie Austin, you know what I mean? Unbelievable striker. Bobby can do things on his day. Um, and as soon as I developed with Gary getting sent off it was I had Armand in front of me I think at the time yeah. so I thought you, you've got a left back there and we can keep our danger men on the pitch um, so I made the suggestion and thankfully enough Harry agreed <laughs> you know what I mean so um, and, and lucky enough it went for us it, it could have easily gone against us of course it could but I just thought uh, at that moment in time so what did you if you say? want to do things so you, you do it just what I've said there You've got your danger men. You need your danger men on the pitch. If you, want, if you want to win a game of football, you need lads who are going to score a goal. I might score a goal off a 
corner every 10, 12 games, but this is such a massive game for the club. You need your boys who are going to do the business in pressurised moments. And then he brought on Carl Henry. Yeah, but hey, <laughs> we've done a great job. Yeah. But we had Armand, who was, you know what I mean, yeah. he was a ready-made left-back, and we kept our juniors, we kept our Bobbies, we kept our Charlies on there. He might have took one of them off. It might be a different story. You never know. Um, just a question for both of you, now you're back here. Um, we've always had a bit of love for... Man love, I should say, for Ali Fallan on the on the. What on a the legend! Can, yeah, I, I love Ali. Yeah. Great guy. Can you guys just um, just tell us about playing him? And is he? I mean, he's always when he's come on the podcast. I mean, crikey, when he was still playing for us, he worked in a coffee shop on his day. The off best barista maker I've ever met in West <laughs> London. He can make a fine coffee. By Apparently, the did you hear the t- the, the term he said is um is flats and fire doing a Argentinian um, barbecue out in a flats. <laughs> Uh, Ali was the best player I played with yeah. at any club. He was he was just brilliant. I mean, to go and injure his cruciates, I think, was it twice, three times? Yeah. You know, he's, he, he, he would have been playing for Argentina. There's no doubt in my mind. He was just technically unbelievable. Understood the game. The positions that he you know, got himself on the pitch were... For me, we played like a three-man midfield with, obviously, me... Um, Ali and uh, and um, Adele just at the top of it but every time I got that opportunity to pass forward Ali was there and he was every time he got the ball he used it really well you know he was such a brave player p- passing forward a lot of the times but he was gorgeous oh, so <laughs> it was with a tash it was horrible I, I, I batter him for that tash by the way did you got to get rid of that tash you know he looks like a slug on the top of his lip <laughs> um, but he <laughs> But he's, um, <laughs> he, is, he is the best player. He was just... Uh, what a great was, lad. To someone, you know, when you look at someone, you think, how good is he? Yeah. The touch, I mean, his touch just took him to places that other, other players shame, don't do it. Such a shame that, obviously, he was in broad in the, um, you know, the, the, the situation with... That wasn't his fault. No, it wasn't his no. fault, but he, he took it personally, Paul. You know, oh, did he? He, he did, yeah. Oh, he he did. was gutted, you know, and... He, did. Warnock, he was in tears at one point. Yeah, Warnock, really Warnock, was, Warnock was brilliant. Did nothing do with him, though. No, it really affected him because he thought he cost the lads the, the promotion and he, he was, he was so, absolutely gutted with it and we had, to, we had to pick him up from that. But, I mean, seriously, what, what a fantastic player. So going back to the Leeds game then, you're in the dressing rooms before, obviously, the news comes out. What was Ali's mindset like then? Does it just... It must be mind Well, that mindset's were all confused and then all of a sudden... Yeah! Who was it? We're who was it, Gianni? Gianni Palladini. The yeah. biggest scream I've ever heard from a male. It was all the way from the top of the stairs, all the way down to the dressing room. I've never seen a man so relieved in my life. And then it was, just, oh, it, was, it was just hysteria then. It was, it was just, no, no offence. You wanted to play the game, but it, yeah. the result didn't matter because all the bloody crap everyone put up with that, that week was, was unbearable. I think that was one of my biggest disappointments of my time at QPI, is that we didn't actually celebrate it properly. I no parade. Ridiculous. I felt, you know, Ridiculous. why we didn't have a parade, it was just bizarre. It was. And I think the club, the whole club was waiting on this outcome of the court case. And that really disappointed me. And it disappointed a lot of the players. I know Clint shares it as well, but disappointed Neil Warnock. You know, disappointed us all because it was so, such a monumental, uh, you know, time that we went through as a group of players. So not to, to not celebrate, it was really poor. So... If only we had someone here from the press office at the time who say we couldn't have a parade. Hi, Ian. Oh, look at him. <laughs> I was Is that Dubai, the middle mate. finger? I was Dubai, pal. 
you must have a timeshare there, you mate. You're there every week. <laughs> but like, but you're right. Because I, 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 I was a bit. I mean, we all were, weren't we? We must have been like, we've we've gone up, we've won the league, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? There was there was no parade, there was no yeah. euphoria, there was no white pouring of. We've waited 18 years for this. You know, it was really bizarre. By the way, I thought. I thought we deserved it, man. The, the football, oh, the big lads time. played. Big the football time. lads, we, the, the way they conducted themselves, the way they went about it was was fantastic. We deserved everything. And obviously, some of that final parade was disappointing, but it was a decent party after that. Well, you might have had one. Like, I know, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It was, it was a shame not to share that in, in terms of a parade, but yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't. So, what, what, was your, what was the game for both of you that season when you thought, you know what, this is it? Early doors Barnsley. for me. Barnsley for Clint. Mine was Derby. Yes. When, when Mackie scored in the 94th, 95th minute, took his top off. It was Which he loved. Great tattoos. Yeah. Mackie, Ma- Ma- Mackie for me was, that day just epitomised everything what QPR was going to be for the, you know, for, the, for the rest of the season. He was um, just a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve, you know. And that, I think that was just like the consensus for all the guys, really, you know. you got two lads sat up, up here, but we had... Bradley Orr, we had Heide Helgerson, you know, Connolly was there. So many, hate to work, hate to use the word good lads, because they were good players as well, but, you know, honest, honest professionals. Tommy that Smith. Great. Tommy yeah, Smith, Tommy another, good, another great guy. Sean, before we wrap up here, um, talking to Mackie, you used, used to room with him, didn't you? I oh. never, ever went in Mackie's room. Really? Well, no, he was... The story, the story, we put him on his own. The story we were told was that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that one time he woke up in the middle of the night and you were doing, you were doing press-ups. Oh. That sounds really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you, Sean? Was I injured that day? <laughs> I, I, I did have a... I used to set my alarm two o'clock sometimes in the morning, especially when I had a new roomie, because I used to weird them out. <laughs> I used to um, when when I was at Leeds, I room with Gary Kelly, and it was the um, night. Why am I saying this? Time is it? <laughs> Gary Kelly was my roomie, and um, we were playing Watford in the playoff final. So I set my alarm for two o'clock in the morning, and I used to always have jelly babies. Remember the jelly babies used to take, and, and I went and sat on top of the wardrobe ones, <laughs> and I was pinging them down at Gary <laughs> Kelly's head. <laughs> <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. I don't know why. Probably, yeah, you're right. I was probably doing press-ups, yeah. Thank God he didn't do that to me. <laughs> Jeez. Who did you room with at QPR, by the way, Clint? him. So a large, large so, of our career was it with him. So who did Jimmy room with The thing is, when he started doing his push-ups, I was already there doing them. <laughs> who made the tea? I don't think we had tea, lad, did we? Do you know no, what? We had, no, it's the, the, the thing. I always had a, a mad, like, thing to do in the morning with an ice bath in the morning, didn't I? Like, no matter what game, I used to get in an ice bath in the, in the hotel. Why? Where'd you get ice? It was just, it was just mad. It was just mad. So we just have, like, a mad ice bath fight in, in the morning before so, a game. So I used to get in with him. all over you, giving <laughs> it the big warrior ones. <laughs> Come on, lad, let's have this. And I slowly introduced him to it, and he, yeah, you bought into it, didn't you, mate? It's Hopefully. one of the weirdest <laughs> times of my life, by the way. Uh, having an ice bath at 11 o'clock in every hotel around the country. Um, with Clint Hill yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a story for your grandchildren um, we're, we're going to finish up uh, t- to end this part one of the podcast you've obviously got a lot of affection a lot of love for QPR each of you just sum up what the club means to you 
Well, from my angle, I suppose, you know, so thankful that you took us, you know, under your love. No, it didn't start off that way, of course, yeah. But, you know, as gradually as time went on, I think you could you could appreciate what me and Clint brought to the football club. You know, it was a um, just a just an honest, two honest guys, you know, who love football, love football. You know, football's been very kind to us both and we appreciate the game and we appreciate the football clubs that we played for. And, um, you know, QPR was and, and still is, you know, the best time to play in the Premier League. I never thought I'd play in the Premier League. You know, to play, play in the Premier League for QPR was great. Loved the stadium. Loved Loft, Loftus Road. It was great. You know, small pitch. Used to get around it. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was just a great two years. Even the year we got relegated. Loved it. You know. I, I, I loved it. How can I follow that? Um, I thought, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange for me because I think the least, as, as a person, as a player, you should give is 110% for a football club. Um, but to be shown, God, the kind of affection and appreciation for, for what you do on a pitch from, from these fans and from the football club through thick and thin, the good times and the bad times, just shows how how passionate these guys are about their football club. And that, that's all we try to do as players, was just show, I don't know, our appreciation for, for playing for this club. You know what I mean? Because we appreciate what you give us, but God, goes a hundred times the other way. You know what I mean? For us, for us to get that kind of affection for what we do, it goes more times that way. You know do you know what, what, what we can do is thank you very much for yeah. the affection that you give us as, as, as players because it's a special club and you're special fans. No, just to cap it off, I mean, it's a shame really because right at the very end of your career, whether you're you know, coming to the end of your career like Clint or whether your, your career's ended like myself, it's only these opportunities that you get to actually be honest such a difficult job at times, you know. It's the best job in the world, in the absolute world. But to real give honest feedback to everybody, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we're privileged to be able to be sat here now and actually be, give an honest account of what happened. Can I just say one thing, by the way? You know the way I like thanking people, as you do, right? How many people were there when we got relegated against West Ham back in 95, 96 season, right? How long do we wait... These guys brought us back to the promised land. They fulfilled our dreams. So can you please give them a big round of applause? <laughs>